of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Michelle Prince with the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we shine the light on successful business owners, entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders, people that are building businesses, they're doing great things, and they're making a difference along the way. And so this, uh, we'll be bringing you and introducing you to an amazing guest today. But first, this episode is brought to you by Performance Publishing. Performance Publishing provides done-for-you publishing services for new authors. If you've ever thought about writing a book, or if people have told you you should write a book, then check out performancepublishinggroup.com. They do free strategy calls. Figure out if it's even the right next step for you. But again, that's performancepublishinggroup.com. Well, I can't wait to introduce you to Matt Tracy. He's an author, he's a consultant, and the go-to email marketing consultant for some of the top, the world's top business authors. Matt com combines a track record in email marketing with an academic background in ecological science. Taken together, Matt knows what it takes to build systems designed for growth. In his best-selling book, Natural Orders, he describes how to develop healthy, engaged, and profitable email marketing databases mimicking the timeless growth strategies used by the most successful systems in the natural world. Engaging, thought-provoking, and philosophical, Matt's writing and speaking inspires his audiences to think differently and to consider the multidimensional or multidisciplinary approaches that will help them take their business to the next level. I am so excited to dig in and, and talk with you, Matt. So welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm also excited. Okay, I have to start though with your your background and and let's talk about what you know these natural orders are and talk a little bit about the book and the parallels you make. Yeah, absolutely. Um look, so as you just said, my background before getting into marketing was actually in ecology, ecological science, which is studying natural systems more or less. Yeah. And so I studied that, I uh, did a bachelor's degree and I worked in the field brief briefly doing some stuff for local government and a little bit of consulting experience there. Um, basically, to really distill it down, I felt the analogy really helped people get past two common issues that I find they stumble into when they're just getting started with email marketing. The first one is trying to do lots of really complex things mm. um, from the beginning instead of building everything from simple foundations. And the second thing is something we can maybe get into later, which is uh, this problem of poor open rates leading to poor unsubscribes where your email list kind of collapses into itself. Mm -hmm. So I started seeing some of these similarities between like an, an email list, which I was, I had my hands in, my head in every day working for some of these authors and some of these software companies and some e-commerce stores um, when I was earlier on in my career. So I really just thought, the ecological natural angle can help people get over some of those initial hurdles. So it's just a really a bit of a different mental model for thinking about email that helps people start slowly and then grow more complex over time. And also it encourages a little bit more respect with the audience. So instead of hitting people with lots of spam emails and trying to promote things all the time, if you actually look at it as like this little ecosystem, this 
I call it in my book, a walled garden of your own that you, you're growing. Um, it, it's the most important asset in your business a lot of times, and especially for authors. So I think this analogy can just help get over some of those initial hurdles. That is so awesome. I really love the title too. And I, I love making analogies and, and I am fascinated with, you know, how, how things work and grow and, you know, harvesting and all of those um, <laughs> types of analogies really do help make a point. So um, I, I really think it's a, a great concept. Yeah. Look, that's the that's the non-nerdy explanation. It does go a lot deeper than that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit though. How did you how did you become an expert in email marketing? How how or or your how did you become fascinated with email marketing? Yeah, that's a, that's also a really good question. You know, I we were just talking before this call. I spent a bit of time over in the states, mm-hmm. so. I got an opportunity to go over to the US back when I was in my very early 20s, what, like 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, they were piloting a program for working holiday visas for recent university graduates in Australia. I don't even think it exists anymore. I think I was the first and final year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, it, it worked really well for me. I went over to San Francisco and I met a, an author consultant over there and he kind of took me under his wing, showed me a lot of things just in digital marketing uh, more broadly. Um, so I'm your classic T-shaped marketer, as they sometimes say, right? Like I've got, I've got a bit of experience in a lot of digital strategy stuff. But I realized even from early on, and perhaps it was from working with authors and e-commerce and SaaS, where your email list is such an important asset, I just thought, wow, email is really just such a powerful thing in terms of growing the business overall. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I just decided to really double down on it and master it as much as I could. And it, it was really a conscious decision. And I, I suppose it's paid off because still today it's underrated. You hear people sometimes say email marketing's dead or other yeah. things like that. It's absolute nonsense. It's still the most effective channel by far. It's the most engaged. It's the highest ROI. It's the most largest and most active group of users on the internet. So, <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. You know, I've heard that as well. And I have a large email list. And and so, you know, I wonder sometimes, you know, it, does it make sense to invest as much time or more time and really grow it? But I, I love what you just said about, you know, kind of think of it as like a wild garden and you have to care for and not just, I think one of the reasons I I don't love those emails is they're spammy. They're You only hear from someone when they're selling something. And so- mm-hmm. Is there a better way? I mean, or or I know there is, or you wouldn't be on here, but what is the better way? And what is, for people that already have a list, which most of the people listening to, I'm sure have already, you know, built some sort of a community or list of people interested in what they're doing. What is the next step or what should they be doing? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you just backtracking a little bit, you, you really hit the nail on the head there with like the building the wall garden thing, because that's something I really lean on in the book. And this is, the, I see the main benefit of email, especially if you're an author, because it is, there's this thing called platform risk. And it's this idea that you can build a huge audience on Instagram or Facebook or any other channel, Twitter, anything you can think of, but you don't have control over that audience. It can be taken away from you at a moment's notice, right? So policy updates, algorithm changes, anything like that. You haven't, and you have no recourse either. So when you actually have your email list, mm-hmm. you 
you own that audience. Nobody can take it away from you. The only way you can mess it up is if you make some of these mistakes, like, you know, spamming people and getting poor open rates and high unsubscribes, or, you know, just letting things get away from you by making it too complex. Mm. But um, that really leads into what comes next. That, that answers your question in some ways, because once you own that database, that audience, and you've got, let's say you've got 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 people on an email list, that allows you to actually collect data about those people. So all of these other walled gardens that you're competing with, they own the data for your customers and your potential customers as well. And you don't have access to that. Or in some cases, like for meta Facebook advertising, you can access some of that data by paying, right? They're pay to play platforms. Whereas with email, you, you can completely own that data. You can collect it and store it in the email database associated with every email address. Yeah. So I see an email address as the simple building block for gathering customer data and putting it together and then using that to um, do whatever sort of marketing you want, you know, segmenting people, sending really personalized messages to different groups of people. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of stuff you can do and it all comes back to owning your data. Now, I never really thought of it that way. Uh, that you own the data versus, uh, you know, because everyone is trying to build these lists on Instagram and, and or these communities and, and um, you know, Facebook, everywhere else, LinkedIn. But you're right. And, and not all the time do you even have their contact in- information like an email if they're on those platforms. So this is a way that you can not only own it, but you get more information. I never really thought of it as like you're, you're segmenting your data, you're collecting data versus just, you know, building a list. That's an interesting, I like that. I like yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. And you know, sometimes some, you see it more in software than anywhere else, but it's, it's the classic thing of some of these startups and software companies were really at the tip of the spear when it came to digital marketing tactics mm-hmm. and strategies, right? And that's kind of trickled down to we small business owners who use them in a kind of a broader market sense. Something that I feel hasn't really caught up as much is just this idea of owning customer data and having some of these uh, software companies will, if they're at a sufficiently large enough scale, they'll have full database solutions and customer data pipelines that they put in. It can be a very expensive and complicated thing to set up. So my, my thinking is what's the best way that you can replicate that for a small business owner? And it really comes down to your email database because you can you can hang off a lot of different demographic and um, interests and all sorts of data about your customers or potential customers just from an email address. You can actually have quite a detailed customer database without having to worry about any customer data pipeline solutions or anything more advanced, right? So it's the best of best of both worlds in some ways. And then if you ever do get to the scale where you want to do something a little bit more advanced, you can just export a CSV and you've already, you've got a great place to start. Yeah. What would you say is, you know, given today, you know, here we are in 2023 and, and things have shifted in, in all areas, right? The marketing and social media, marketing, the economy, even what is working now in terms of email marketing? And what I mean by that is, you know, back in the day, it was like you send them a daily email or then it was, you know, every couple of days. And then, you know, what is the, how often should you be emailing and what should those emails be about? Because you mentioned not selling and stuff like that all the time. Yeah, that's a great question. 
because all channels have their trends and their tactics that seem to be working at the moment. I I think nobody would argue that the the really trendy thing to be doing at the moment, and for good reason, are newsletters. Everyone's yeah. starting a newsletter, right? Mm-hmm. And and again, for good reason. Some some of these people starting newsletters are, are making really successful, great businesses just sending one email a week, right? Multi million dollar businesses. It's incredible. So there is value there. Um, and a lot of people seem to be replicating that and sending an, a newsletter themselves. So yeah, that can be a good place to start. But to answer the question more completely, I'd say that it's the timeless marketing principles that have always worked will work well in email marketing because it's it's really direct response marketing. So any of that, those classic copywriting books that you, you read, the classic yeah. advertising books, one that I lean on a lot, um, my favourite marketing book of all time was advertising book technically is Eugene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising. He's got a great concept in there called the five stages of awareness. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, so I really lean on that a lot with email. So it's segmenting people into buckets of how aware they are about um, the product that you offer or the service that you offer. It applies to all businesses. So I sometimes, it helps you structure the way you communicate with your audience. So if someone comes onto your list mm-hmm. and they know that they have a problem, you know to then structure your communication around solutions to that problem. That's a that's a really simple way of refining it down. One of my favourite books for this is called Breakthrough Advertising by a guy named Eugene Schwartz. And he's got this great concept in there called the five stages of awareness. And basically it, it breaks down um, the ways you should communicate with the people who join your email list into five different stages, starting with completely unaware. They're unaware of the product or service that you offer. Number two is problem aware. So they're aware that they have a problem, but they don't know a solution to it. Number three is solution aware. So they're aware of the solution to that problem, um, but they don't know if there's any products or services to help them get over the line for actually putting that solution into practice. Um, Then there's product aware. So that's when you introduce your product or your service or the thing that you're trying to um, put in front of them to help them solve the problem that they signed up to your email list to begin with. And then finally, there's most aware, which is more like your classic sales objection handling stuff, right? I like that. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, does that mean that you are sending potentially five different emails to five different groups if they're all in those different buckets? Yes. So what I would do is find out where people are more likely to join your list. And it'll be different for every type of business, but it'll generally be somewhere around either solution or problem aware stage. So if you use this as a guide, it can then be a key for, okay, what type of copy do I need to be writing to make sure that people are going to be more likely to open my emails and what I'm sending to them is actually valuable. And this is where it really all comes down to because to build that healthy foundation of the email list, you want to be making sure that every email you send is perceived as valuable. Mm. You don't want to ever be caught sending spam because as soon as the as soon as you start sending spam to people, they're not going to open your emails and um, they're going to be more likely to unsubscribe and it's just going to be less effective overall, right? You, so these five stages, they really help you um, make sure that you're meeting people where they are at. So there's a famous copywriting co- quote, I think it's Robert Collier. He's entered the conversation going on 
in the prospect's mind. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I like that. Do you find, would you say, you know, now many, many companies have help in this area. They have help with, you know, creation, content creation, um, potentially teams even sending out these emails. How important is it for the actual business owner or the author or the speaker or whatever to be the person to write those emails versus taking content from, say, their books or their programs and, and then maybe getting some help and kind of pulling them together and, and put them out in an email or a newsletter? Yeah, interesting. So different types of businesses can probably get away with different things. I think for an author, there's a massive premium on having unique content that you send out just for your email, right? Because it's such a personal channel. If I get an uh, email from you and it's handwritten by you and it's something different to, from what I received in the book, that's mm-hmm. going to that's gonna get my attention. I'm going to look at it. Something I think authors in particular sometimes underestimate is the ability to create a really powerful narrative through the emails that they send once someone joins their email list. So I sometimes refer to it as the subscriber journey. Mm. Well, that's, I like that. So it's just like your customer journey, but it's <laughs> when someone comes onto your email list, right? But if you think of it in those terms and really building a narrative and um, a set of steps that you're taking people on and a really specific um, set of emails that you're sending to them over a period of time, that can be really powerful. I like that. We, the sub- subscriber journey. Uh, so we, I have a publishing company and we, when we bring authors on, we, we walk them through our author journey. So it's very similar where we're kind of, you know, holding their hand and walking them through the process and, and, and all of them are at a different stage in the journey. Um, but they, they get that clarity. And then we have clarity in-house to know like, okay, this particular author is here on the journey. This one's just starting. And so I like the concept of that subscriber journey. And that you're, so you're saying the conversation is different just depending on where they are on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So everyone, every type of business is solving problems for someone, right? Mm -hmm. So if you just figure out where someone is in solving that problem for themselves, that helps you know how to, how to meet them where they are at, right? Yeah. You probably get this question a lot or some form of it for the companies that you're working with, but do you, what do you say to the entrepreneur, um, small business owner who has a million things going on, they're juggling everything and the, the thought of investing, you know, hours a week on writing emails seems daunting. What are your, what's your advice on that? Yeah, I would say treat it as a project. So something that you're going to do once off that can, if you design it correctly, you won't really have to do too much with in the months following. So if you sit down and you say, okay, I'm going to dedicate one to three months on setting up this email system, from there out, it'll just be maintenance. So if you can actually dedicate all your marketing thoughts and budget to something like that, for a dedicated period of time, that's probably the best way to deal with it. Sometimes people will say, oh, I'm going to start sending an email newsletter on top of everything else that they're doing. And then sometimes the newsletter falls by the wayside, as which is understandable. But if there's no actual broader system for email marketing set up in the background, it's automatically sending emails to new subscribers and nurturing people. 
that can sometimes be the easier way to do things, especially for people who are busy. Yes, absolutely. So you're saying like with, with any kind of a CRM, basically once somebody opts in, you know, not only do they get the, Hey, welcome email type of thing, but it's you're pre-scheduling or pre-writing in a sense, these um, nurture emails, you know, every couple of days or week, or is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And that's what I'd refer to as a subscriber journey over something like a newsletter. So having these things pre-scheduled going out here, let's say for an author once a week, once even once every two weeks, you can really space it out. Just like making sure that you're showing up and providing value mm-hmm. um, in the inbox. Let's say even every two weeks, like that's that's great. Sometimes less is more when it comes to this stuff, honestly. I was just going to ask you that. What's the magic time period? Because I'll be honest, I get a lot of emails and some some of these like newsletters and if they're coming too often, I, I I don't even look at them, you know? So, but then if they're too far apart, it's like, oh, I haven't heard from you in a while. Is there mm-hmm. a certain time frame that you recommend for your clients? Yeah. It, again, it depends on the business, but for authors, I think not too much, especially in the beginning. So the sending frequencies is a big thing that you have to think about when it comes to email. Well, one one good rule or heuristic maybe is start with less and then build up as people engage. So there's all sorts of stuff that you can do with email. And I talk about in my book a little bit more in terms of segmenting. So if you can segment out the people who are showing interest, that can be a good way to start increasing your sending frequency. So let's say you're starting with just one email a week for every person who joins the list and that's all automated. It's all set up. You've got a sequence they're going through that sends one email a week. For those people who show interest in those emails, you can then say, okay, well, we were sending an email on a Tuesday, but for those people, we're also going to start sending an email on a Thursday as well. So that increases the communication, increases the speed of the nurture and helps them get through those five awareness stages a little bit more quickly. That's great advice. And does it matter if the email is just typed and written or or can an email be a video or can it be a link to a podcast or is there any recommendations you have there? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the sky's the limit. Anything. <laughs> is, yeah, no, really anything. I mean, the, again, it's all about providing value. One thing I often say is make sure every email you said, send um, either educates, inspires or entertains. Mm. Or if you can do all three at once, even better. But yeah, that can be in a video, can be in a podcast you've appeared in. It's just make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that by me opening the email, you're providing value. Because I just think about the experience of receiving an email in the inbox. So there'll be some subject line which is super optimized and promises a lot. And sometimes a disconnect comes when there's a huge promise given in the subject line because you're trying to cut through all the million other emails in the inbox. But then you open the email and it doesn't follow through on that immediately or at all. So if you, you need to follow through on what you're promising. And I mean, under promise, over deliver, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just general business advice. But I think it, it really applies for email when we, I think, over the years got really used to just, you know, throwing out, you know, email, 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 or or social post, social post, social post. But I think now we're all starting to, Okay, wait. What what what's the value? What are we really providing to these people? I I personally would much rather post less or email less and have something worthwhile than just doing it for the sake of doing it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, but I could be a lot better. In fact, that's why I'm I'm taking notes as you're talking because I know this is an area that that I know there's always 
there's definitely room for improvement on our end. Um, let me ask you, so how do you work with clients? How do you, how do you help them in this area? Yeah, so it definitely tends to be this subscriber journey that we're talking about. So let's say it's an author. It'll be sitting down with them and thinking, how can we structure your message and your story and the ideas that you have maybe over one, two, three or more books into this series of emails that's going to show expose people to all the different ideas that you have, but then also expose them to solutions to the problems they might be having and then products off the back end of that. Um, we're talking also about sending frequency before, how to make sure we're bringing people out who are showing more interest and then showing them possibly products if that is applicable, but making sure that we're providing value the entire time. So it'll be, I call it subscriber journey development, and it'll just be a project where we work together and we really figure that out come up with a diagram and like a time frame of like a sending schedule and everything. And yeah, they're quite involved projects. That sounds great. And I definitely, there's a need. And even if you've had, or thinking of ourselves for, you know, through the years that we've been, I've had email and I've had nurture campaigns, but things need to be updated and things need to, you know, seen through a new lens. So I love that you, you kind of come in and, and understand everything that 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 author or business is doing and then you put together this journey for them or with them basically yeah definitely and i mean at the, at the foundation of it is this idea of you know you've got to make sure that you don't fall into these mistakes of sending too many emails and having the open rates collapsing on themselves so there's all that side of it as well there's the deliverability side everything do you also assist with uh evaluating their current email um, technology and meaning like there's certain, I, I don't know if it's CRMs or certain platforms that they tend to go to spam more frequently than others. Is that uh, something that you help with uh, well? or is that just an issue across the board and we're all just trying to <laughs> get into um, the There are definitely, I, I don't want to get in trouble with this answer, but there are definitely things you can do to stay out of spam and that doesn't matter what platform you're on. There are some platforms that may be slightly more likely to go to spam than others. Yeah, that, that's definitely part of it. Um, when I start working with someone, I'll usually start with an audit of where they're at and awesome. what yeah, easy wins they have. Well, and I love talking to you, one, because this is a topic that I know for myself and my own business, email marketing is, is we know how important it is, yet I know we could do a better job. But those listening too, and, and so... Um, but I also love talking to you because you're an author and you realize the the importance of writing a book. And the show is called The Power of Authority Spotlight. So we're shining the light on you. But The Power of Authority is actually a title of a book I wrote in 2019 uh, or 18. And um, it's, a, it's a play on words. And that is you can't spell authority without author, meaning that uh, not authority and that you're better, but it, that when you have authority, People really want to hear what you have to say. And so that gives you the ability to impact more people and help more people. Um, and, I, and I just, as a publisher, happen to believe that a book is one of the easiest ways to, to do that. But how are you leveraging or building your authority um, with your book or with this business or things that maybe you're doing that you could share with the audience that things that are working for you? Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I'm so my book came out late last year, late 2022. And um, I did the typical book launch 
uh, that I'm sure a lot of the listeners are aware of what goes into that and how hectic it can be. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you realise once the book launches is that it, that doesn't end. It's not over. It's You've got to keep going, right? Um, podcasts have been good for me, obviously, but Amazon ads, if you can really nail Amazon ads, especially if you're running, a, as I'm sure a lot of the people listening are, you're running a services business on the back of that, you're, um, you can have quite high customer acquisition costs, right? Because yeah. you're selling high-end services on the end. So you can afford to bleed a little bit in your Amazon ads, and I am, and it's fine. It pushes the sales. I've been, there seems to be some relationship between selling lots of books via Amazon ads and just the rate it grows organically because even though I'm putting money into Amazon ads, uh, it's about 50-50 split. So yeah. I'm 50% organic sales, 50% Amazon ad sales. So there is some, it's kind of just getting along by itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might be, I may have to bring you back another time and you can talk about how you're really leveraging Amazon ads because I know how important it is, but it's also, there's there's still a lot of unknowns and, and what works and what doesn't work. So I love hearing that yours is, that it's working for your book. At least, yeah, you- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, I've got a guest that I could probably recommend who can talk about that in a lot of detail. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I and I, I, I failed to mention it in the beginning, but I'm just so grateful that um, we have a mutual friend that connected us, Jeremy Weiss, and um, I just want to give a big shout out to him and a thank you for connecting us because this has just been a great conversation and. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot and, and I know the listeners have too. So thank you for being on that. Really appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Well, just to kind of recap everything, you know, so much, so many great takeaways here. So many things that as business owners, we should be considering and implementing. If you're not implementing email marketing, well, definitely need to be doing that. But for those of us who are already doing it, we could all, you know, kick it up a little bit. So I love what uh, what Matt shared about the five stages and really being, you know, focusing on what is the solution that the, the people that we want to help, what, what are they, what's the problem they're trying to sell? Um, this is subscriber journey and really looking at our email list differently, right? It's not just a list. It's, these are people who have a problem that we can potentially solve and, you know, taking care of them and building that relationship and not just, you know, trying to sell, sell, sell. I think will will set us all apart differently um, than than some of the other people sending emails. And so, uh, finally, what I took away more than anything is in every email, make sure that you educate, inspire, and entertain. So, thank you for that advice, uh, Matt, and thank you again for being on the show. Thank you very much. And if you're interested in the book, you can go to naturalordersbook.com, find out a little bit more info. Um, other than that, look, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real yes. pleasure. Thank you. And I'm glad you said that. I, I, I meant to mention that in my in my final there. But all right. Well, that's it for the Power of Authority Spotlight. Get out there. Start writing those emails, connecting with the people that you know you can serve. And we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. 
Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com. And follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.